This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 78. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick, and I am joined by my co-host Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Oh my word, has it been an entire week, Lisa, since we've spoken? No, it actually hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even feel like it, does it? <laughs> Woo, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> All right, so what are we talking about today, Lisa? We are talking about drawing hair in colored pencil. Yeah, this is something that can really trip people up if you start looking at portraits and you're you're looking at the skin you're looking at facial features everything's so in balance and then you get to the hair and you're like what happened so one of the things about the hair is it it's just a different animal it's so much different from the rest of the portrait and i think you just gotta you gotta slow down you gotta take your time and do it correctly or it can just really make or break a portrait yeah, for me, I like to do the, the hair first because I have a tendency, once I've drawn the face, the hair is boring to me. I don't enjoy drawing the hair. That's my least yeah. favorite part. Yeah. But I, And I see this happen a lot where artists put so much work into the face. The face looks incredible, and then they just rush through the hair. The hair, for me, takes longer in most cases than the face itself. Yeah, the hair does take a long time. But if it yeah. doesn't look as good, then it pulls down the entire piece. So it doesn't matter That's how true. great the face looks. If the hair is bad, the entire piece doesn't feel very good. That's exactly right. Because your eyes are going to be drawn to that trouble spot, that sore spot. And you're like, oh, what happened there? Mm -hmm. So it's something that can be learned and... That's a pretty good um, idea, Lisa, to start with that first, because I, I'm the same way. I don't like doing the hair, but I always tend to do it last. I don't know why I do that. And then I just, ugh, I get so impatient. It's one of the reasons I usually start with a background first, too. I don't like oh. doing the background, so I knock right. it out first so that I don't rush get once I get the, the subject in. All right, so... We're just going to go through some tips here to help you improve in drawing more realistic hair in colored pencil. So one of the things that, that is good to think about is don't draw the individual strands. And I know Lisa and I have talked about this before, but, you know, if you can draw some, that's fine. And if you allow and if you think about how some straggler hairs will be going in different directions counter to the clump of the rest of the hair in the form of the rest of the hair, then that will be very helpful. But I mean, Unless you're attempting to uh, make some really pretty zombies, then yeah, go for it. That'll that'll be great. <laughs> yeah, it ends up looking unwashed, stringy. That it just doesn't yeah. look good when you try to draw each individual strand. And what a lot of people will think is, I want it to be more realistic. I need more detail. I have to draw all the strands. But think about when you look at somebody. If you look at somebody across the room, you're not seeing each individual strand. You're seeing the clumps and clusters in the. I was going to say in the fur. I spent too much time with my dogs, <laughs> but you see the clumps and clusters 
colors in the hair. So look at them as abstract shapes. I think that will help a lot, but don't look at it as individual strands. That's not what you see on people. Yeah, and if you have trouble uh, viewing that, I mean, if you're looking at a reference photo, just squint your eyes or uh, fuzz it out a little bit, uh, make it not as sharp or something like that to be able to not see all those details. You have to force yourself from time to time anyway not to see the details. And especially with hair, this is so important because you. I, I feel like the, one of the best things to do is to build it up very slowly and to think about it as an overall object and then individual smaller objects as well. Yeah. And one of the things I like to do, or I actually will often have students do, is work upside down. It forces you to yeah, see that's a good one. the hair as clumps and clusters and abstract shapes. But the blood always runs to my my head and then I start just you know, <laughs> you, I can't stay on my head forever but and this is true whether no matter what you're painting or drawing we have a tendency to think I know what hair looks like I know what an eye looks like I know what these things look like and so your idea of what you think these things look like start to override your reference photo turn your work upside down turn your reference photo upside down John likes to work upside down himself apparently but work if you turn your work upside down it's going to really help you to notice the shapes and the shadows and the highlights because that's what you're seeing you're no longer seeing hair you're seeing those shapes and right, shadows and right. highlights yeah exactly don't draw curls as loop-de-loos. This is a big one. You don't want to do those swirls that everyone likes to do. And I see this happen a lot where someone will put tons and tons of work into the portrait again, or the face, and then they do these swirls for the, the loops or for the curls. They think that's how, you know, as kids, that's how we drew drew curly hair. That is never how you draw curly hair, ever. You instead, again, want to work in those shapes, those clumps and clusters, and just pay attention to those. I do have a video if you guys kind of want to see this in action. If you, We'll put it in the show notes, but you can also just do a quick search on YouTube, Lockery and Jon Snow or Lockery and Hair and Colored Pencil. I've got videos showing you exactly how to draw these where you're working in these clumps and clusters instead of those loop-de-loos. Okay, and don't draw blonde hair yellow, you know. Uh, Sometimes you'll see that unless it's lemon yellow. I'm just kidding. Don't use lemon (laughs) yellow. But instead, you know, if you if you actually look this look at it and you go into your eyedropper tool in Photoshop or whatever program you're using, you can take a look at the actual hues that are in there. And often you're going to see grays. You're going to see cream. You're going to see some uh, brown colors and you may even see red. But you want to figure out what the local color is first. And then and it's often not not what we may think that it is. And then we can start looking at some of the the highlights and and the darker colors and adding those in. But we want to make sure that our local color is actually the color that it really is and not the color that, again, we think of whenever we think, oh, I know yellow, I know this blonde hair is yellow. You know, it's really not. Yeah, and I stress all the time with people that the color is not that big of a a deal. It's your values and your contrast and all that. This is one case that it is a big deal. If you draw your hair yellow it will it doesn't matter how great everything is your portrait's going to look ridiculous it'll look like a cartoon yeah don't don't go overboard don't grab for those yellow pencils when you're working on people unless it's for their clothing but people and cats and dogs the same thing cats and dogs don't have yellow even like a yellow lab it's not yellow it's going to be those tans and browns and colors that it's picking up from around it but yellow is pretty much not going to be a color you use except on maybe fish and birds but really watch that on people. Even for people who dye their hair, it's not yellow. It's never going to be yellow, yellow. And, you know, and and you got to pay attention a little bit to whether the photo reference that you're using is kind of warmer or cooler. I mean, some of the highlights, yeah, they may lean towards a yellow 
or something like that. But one of the scariest things, one of the most striking and jarring things is to see this total lemon yellow on some child's hair and the whole thing's in yellow. And it's like, whoa, that doesn't look like reality. <laughs> it's kind of like using red, like bright red and lips, especially on oh, kids. Yeah, it makes yeah. them look very creepy. Like, yeah. Why do you have lipstick on that little boy? It's right. it's very abnormal looking. It's right. kind of like combining an adult woman with a, a little child and it, it just looks weird. So yeah, the, there are a couple of instances I'd say watch your colors. Unless this you're drawing, what are the what do they call those? Those little kid pageants? Um, um, they look creepy. real scary. And they, yeah, those are, those I call them are terrible. Creepy. Poor kid. <laughs> creepy alley, that's for sure. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so our next tip would be, again, with the colors, if you're drawing very dark hair, black or brown, watch that you're not just using white as your highlight. It's going to age the person. It will tend to make the hair look very gray. So instead, you can mm-hmm. use blues and purples for a lot of those highlights. Yeah, and, and you'll actually notice that there is a lot of blue and purple often within the shadows if especially if there's a strong light source on one side of the face and then the other side is in the shadow there is a lot of the the more neutral grays and some cooler colors over there and that'll actually lend to a more realistic kind of uh, rendering if we do that and more often than not someone with black hair it's not truly black unless like me you're actually dying at black usually you're going to have a lot of different tints in there so you're not going to want to go just jump to your black pencil the few exceptions actually the john snow video i was talking about that photo is very desaturated in color so i am using actual blacks and grays more than i normally would but if i was going for let's say i'm doing a portrait of a woman who has very dark hair those are not going to be the first pencils i jump to i want to make sure that i'm using a lot of colors in there so that i get the depth and have something look very realistic now white uh, you mentioned a white pencil a white pencil is good to use for kind of lightening something up if it's too saturated sometimes Mm -hmm. or a darker value that you got maybe just a little bit too dark or just kind of blending something together that that is very good to use in the hair and i do that quite a bit yes yes but you don't want your highlights just to be white or, no. you know, straight straight white and which is funny no. i say that but in john snow he was but he's actually standing in snow so there's a whole there are exceptions to everything which drive me crazy i wish there were always definite rules that i wasn't contradicting <laughs> myself but you want to go on to the next one or you want to talk about john snow video one more time bring, bring it up one more time I'm covering my own rear because I'm contradicting myself. (laughs) I'm just teasing because you you brought it up like three times right there. Well, it fits. It's the only one I I have that I've got. I'm totally teasing you. Mm Mm-hmm. How how long is that portrait taking you, by the way, that you're working on? I'm almost, it's only been like four months, so I'm almost done. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's only been like three weeks. <laughs> okay, so ne- <laughs> next, don't try to draw all of the hair at the same time. I've done this before where I'm like, I'm just going to get a base layer of tan, and then I'm going to work on the, the midtones and the highlights. It gets very overwhelming very, very quickly. I strongly yeah. recommend instead work in small sections, maybe one square inch at a time, or for me, I'll even break it up into maybe quarter a quarter of the hair and then onto the next quarter of the hair. So, but all of it all at once tends to be overwhelming. The other thing, when you work where you're breaking it up in small sections, it's a little bit more encouraging because when you're trying to do everything at once, you go through such ugly stages for so long that you start thinking, this is never going to look good. I'm never going to work my way out. But if you can do a small section, get it done almost completely 100% before you move on to the next section of hair, you know, okay, I am going to make these ugly stages look good. I made the last ugly stage look good, which didn't take that long because it was a small section versus some, you know, 
the whole head. That you're you're right there. I mean, that is a different technique. If you do choose to do that, just drawing one color all at the same time. Here's what I find happening when I try to do that: is I start losing context and I start making the strokes incorrect and things like that because I want to rush through it and get it mm-hmm. done because I'm like I don't know where I am. I'm losing you my lose, spot. Yeah, you lose your place you know? so yeah. bad that way. Yeah, and and so that that's the real danger there. Now, one thing I, I want to I do want to throw this in here real quick is I think this is a, a very good uh, technique to use and I'm drawing hair right now so it's real fresh in my mind but if you can go in there and get grab some of those highlights with whatever you're going to be using for the highlight whatever color that is uh, one of your lighter colors and if you can get those in there early maybe even an impressed line sometimes uh, people like to do that I don't like impressed lines a whole lot but I do like to get the lighter highlights in there, even the wispy hairs or some of those stragglers. And I can go around and do that. And that's not quite as overwhelming. And then I sort of have a roadmap. And then the second thing I like to do with that is surround that lighter color right there with something a lot darker, at least a medium tone with relationship to the rest of the hair so that you can actually see that lighter color. And then that creates a pretty good roadmap for whenever you start working on those smaller sections. But yeah, to your point, it it's overwhelming and you lose your spot whenever yeah. you start trying to do the whole thing at once. All right. So the other thing, the, one of the biggest things when we're drawing realistic hair is use your reference photo, but use it correctly. Look at it and pay attention to the direction of the hair. Look at those clumps and pay attention to what it's doing. We may think, uh, I think we stated this a little earlier, but we may think we know, oh, we know what hair's doing. We know what direction it's going going in and that sort of thing. But there's something to be said about the way that it's laying down, the uh, how, how long that clump of hair is. So we need to really, we have to pay attention to the reference photo. And I, I don't mean be a slave to the hair. That's one of the nice things about hair. You don't have to be a slave to it because hair changes. It's yeah. uh, it, it changes directions and, and nobody's hair looks the same day to day. And so we can, we can be a little looser with it, but you have to pay attention to that reference photo. Otherwise, you're going to create something that doesn't correspond to reality. And people have a tendency to think that there's something wrong. I see this a lot with, and I don't see it so much with colored pencil artists, but I see this a lot, especially young artists in other mediums, where they think that using a reference photo is somehow cheating, that you've got to do it from your head. If you want something to look super realistic, mm, you're going to yeah. use, you're either going to use a reference photo or you're going to use a model. It is going to be one or the right. other. You're not working from memory. That d- isn't Mm-mm. really how it is. And every single time that somebody is working from memory, I can always tell because the hair, things like that, they just don't lay right. It, you're going to want to use that reference photo right. and you're going to want to spend, or this is what I've always told my students, spend more time looking at the reference photo than you do your actual artwork. This isn't something you glance at once and then work on your drawing for five minutes without looking back at that reference photo. Constantly look at that reference photo. Really oh, get that in your head. If you can start getting in the habit of doing that, you're going to see a huge difference in how realistic your end work looks like. Just spend more time on that reference photo. One of the yeah. things that I used to do for students when they really, I couldn't get them to start looking at the reference photo enough is telling them to look at it. I'm going to time you. You're going to look at this reference photo for the next 60 seconds. 
without looking away. This is the only thing I want you do, to do is study this section. Really understand yeah. how those lines move. And if that didn't work, I would just start regularly timing them, come, coming by while they were working. And it's like, okay, stop, put your pencils That's down, a great look idea. at the reference photo. I want you to stare at this for the next minute, but you've got to get yourself in the habit of looking at that, constantly looking yeah. at it. Yeah, especially early on. You should be looking more at the reference photo than you are your drawing because – and then later on when you're nearly done, of course, yes. you're looking more as you're drawing. But early on, yeah, that's the that's the whole trick. And then moving your eyes back and forth, back and forth to make sure that everything is uh, in proper uh, order and, and that you're drawing it correctly. I mean, you may go a week and not even see something until later on. That, that can happen. But it's all about being able to look at it and think about it and keep looking at that reference photo. That's a good point, though, that kind of goes or what you were bringing up about towards the end. That's a big one. Yeah. Towards the end of a piece, I will put the reference photo away. And I mean like the last yeah. hour. I'll put the reference yeah. photo away and just decide, work on what my piece needs to make yeah, it better. Yeah, because then it's yours out. then. Yeah. yeah. But I've already got everything right. laid out. I have my right. details. I have everything there. Now it's just a matter of blending areas that might need to be softer, that sort of thing. Exactly. Working on highlights and that sort. All right, so the next thing is don't create hard angles because what will happen is it will start making your hair look like straw or like plastic. And the, and the reason for this is if you, if you look at hair, the reason why uh, we see angles and we see shape is because there is uh, – okay, let's talk, talk about long hair. The reason why we see that is because there is movement. There is some direction, and the hair is not in w just one straight piece. And what happens is, you know, if you, if you take a look at something that it looks like straw or it looks like it's plastic or something like that, you see some very unnatural angles, real hard angles. Instead of more soft transitional angles, more rounded, you want to draw hair and if you if you come from a graphite background it makes a lot of sense you want it very soft you want it to you want to think to yourself okay this is a very soft piece here this this texture is going to be very soft and this is a uh, rounded transitions in values and in uh, the way that that you're layering the hair the way that it that it ends up because what will happen is if if you have those those hard little breaks, then that's okay if the hair ends right there, but you have to make it end right there. You have to show that that's the end of, you know, that's the length of that hair, and maybe there's hair underneath it or something like that. But that's one of the things you want to you wanna think about and you want to look at. Is there too hard of an angle? Am I making the direction of the hair flow? Does it look like it's like a... a, a uh, some water, you know, a brook with water flowing down it, or does it look like, you know, this is Cubert, you know, jumping up the the little cube or something? Just dated myself there, but <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's it can't be these hard angles, you know. You're I not... see this with feathers too a lot, where people mm -hmm. will make the feathers too harsh, where it almost looks like it's made out of plastic instead of these soft feathers. Sometimes detail doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a harsh line. It can be a soft transition from one value to the next, which will give you a very nice soft look. Yeah, and I think. I think this is this is especially hard i think for artists who and color pencil artists in particular but anyone who works in realism because we're so into the details and so we think oh we got to get every little strand here we got to draw all these little strands and then that's one of the things that happens though is it starts looking just unnatural looks plasticky or like straw and if we just think to ourselves no i'm drawing this overall thing 
I'm making this part of this larger thing, this object, this abstract object, then it, it just turns out better. And, but we have to train our brain for that. And detail for the sake of detail is not going to make your work look more realistic. No. It needs to be the right detail in the right place and pay attention where your sharp and harsh lines are versus your very soft lines or soft transitions. My next tip is to work in layers like you do with anything else in colored pencil. This isn't just a situation where you're going to find the one perfect color for the hair and you're just going to put that everywhere. Yeah, you'll probably use that pencil everywhere along with lots of other layers and lots of other pencils, lots of values and colors. It's not just one solid thing. I'll see this a lot too where people will be like, okay, I'm working on brown hair. I've got the perfect brown pencil. This is the color of that person's hair. But you're not taking into account all of the shadows, all of the highlights. And even with that, if you use that brown brown and then you use a darker version of that or even black for the shadows and white for your highlights that still looks very cartoony very fake very flat if you want to get depth in that hair you're going to use a lot of colors even with let's bring it up again the Jon Snow video that I did (laughs) with that black hair I still probably used 15 different pencils for black hair that's a lot of different colors just for one color of hair you want to do a lot of layers and you want to include a lot of those colors yeah and that's one of the reasons why I like to get those lighter highlights lights in early on, especially with colored pencil, because here's what happens. You can go back over that uh, with a local color with, uh, say, you're, you're drawing more of an umber type of hair, and you can put that local color up on top of that very lightly, and then you can remove that later on, You and it'll pull out the highlight that is underneath there. That layer does serve as a purpose then underneath there because it's lighter, and you can pull it back out. By And what I mean by that is you can erase what's on top if you haven't used OMS. If you've put solvent down, then your chances are less likely that you're going to be able to get uh, a lighter color back. So just keep that in mind. This is something that, you know, if you work in these layers, I think you you have a lot more control over it than if you early on start using a lot of OMS. And if you layer in some of those lighter areas first, then I think it makes it a lot more easy to control the color. Okay, now this is a big one, Lisa, using gel pens for highlights. I see a lot of people do this and it yeah. looks pretty cool. It's actually really good, but there are some problems with that. Yeah, they're they're just not a real good archival option. And the other thing about it is, to me, it just feels like now we're working in mixed media or something. You well, know? you are. I might it well, actually does count as yeah, mixed media. Yeah, I might as well bring out the markers and, you know, and everything else. Um, and... Yeah, I don't know. I I don't I don't personally like using gel pens uh, for a lot of reasons, but one of them is just they're just kind of awkward. They're kind of odd to use, and there's a start. There's a definite stop and start or a starting point where you're using the gel pen and stopping point where you're not. There's not a soft transition yeah. from a dark to a light value. So got to keep that in mind. My biggest problem with the gel pens is just the archival quality. I have seen well, people yeah. do amazing, amazing work with them. But again, they have a, they're not archival. You're talking no. about putting a water-based or a product on top of an oil or wax-based pencil that well, you're not supposed to be Well, it doesn't adhere to that. Yeah, you it can take really your stick. fingernail and just scrape it right off. You can you scrape know? it off. It can smear depending on the pen. I've had so many yeah. people have that line just smudge out. I've actually tried it myself. I've actually tried using ink as well because that was another one that I've seen a lot of people use. I didn't like the results. But then you look into it further and you're like, wow, this actually isn't archival. This is not. Right. If you frame it, it'll probably be okay. But it's just not my preference. I It's not right. my, my favorite way to go. But what I like to do now, and I love these products together, 
are mixing the touch-up texture and colored pencil titanium white from brushandpencil.com. I mix those two together and I have a video, we'll put it in the show notes, but I have a video showing you how I mix these two and then I use a liner brush and I paint it on. Now, if you are entering into a show for CPSA, this is not, this they count as mixed media. This is not acceptable in their normal shows. I personally don't enter those shows, so it makes no difference to me. I just want to create good art. So this is an archival way to go. And the nice thing with mixing these two products is you can, if you make it too bright, it stands out too much. You're like, wow, I overdid this. No big deal. You can put pencil on top of it. It's meant for colored pencil. It is archival. Other pencil will stick on top of it. You can cover something up if you went too dark, or you can use it to get a highlight and then tint that highlight. Like there was a piece I did recently with a landscape and I needed the lighter, the tips of the grass to be a lighter yellow. Well, the light yellow wasn't showing up over my green. So I put the touch up texture and then the light yellow over that to tint to tint the color. So this is a great way when you're doing hair too, you can get your highlights. And if you don't want those highlights to stay white, you can then put a light brown or a blue or a purple, whatever color you need for the highlight on over it. But it's a really nice way to go instead of gel pens. I mean, you don't need either of these products. You can create realistic hair either way, but this is a nice alternative to those who regularly ask me about gel pens. Another real big one here is pay attention to the hairline. And, you know, one of the things about the hairline is you don't want a hard line there because then it looks like, you know, someone's wearing a wig. They've got, you know, implants or something like that, you know. And so it just just doesn't look realistic. Uh, There should be this softer transition from skin to hair. And then on the top of the head or around the sides of the head as well, where the hair ends, that should be, that's informing the overall shape of the skull, of the the overall head and if you can create that where it's extended too far or too too close to the head and you'll end up making the head appear too small or too large so be real careful about that it can really skew the anatomy quite a bit if we're not careful all right well i'm sure you guys have your own tips or suggestions on this and you can talk to us over there on facebook in the colored pencil podcast group or talk about that on twitter at lockery or at sharpen artist give us feedback at podcast at sharpenedartist.com show notes are over there as always at sharpenedartist.com slash podcast and do you want to mention the john snow video one more time no i think you've done it oh you're good (laughs) you've done it what was that (laughs) you're the puppet you keep bringing it up (laughs) you're the puppet (laughs) all right we will talk to you guys again next week bye Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com. Okay, now you're just splitting hairs. I thought that was hilarious on the third debate. You're the puppet. <laughs> this whole election. It's, oh, it's a, it's a comedy. It's just a clown show. All right, well, I'm sure you guys may have some tips of your own that you would like to share. You can uh, talk the to hairline? us. Hi, shameless self-promotion. <laughs> Trump. <laughs>